Um, talk about living drenched. Now, there's being saved, but then there's living drenched if you want it. And so that's what we're talking about this year. We're talking about worship, and um, we're in our second week of it. Would you stand with me? And let's. Last week we talked about spirit and truth. This week we're going to have to talk about heart, soul, mind, and strength. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noting that, that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the the power of your word, for the presence of your spirit. And I pray that you would speak to us today and that we would hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear and obey. The most important thing is the most important thing. And we tend to get very distracted by uh, the second, third, fourth, and generally the 25th and the 150th most important thing and get our focus taken away from the most important thing. As we go through this series, we're going to be covering areas that are more typically associated with the term worship, but first things first. Okay? How many of you know this uh, story? Do you all know this story? Oh, okay. Well, I, uh, great. It's an enduring story then, isn't it? Yeah. The little red hen. Well, in case anybody's here who doesn't know this story, I'm going to tell it to you. And for those of you who do know it, uh, bear in mind there are several different versions. This is my version. And this is the one that we will, this is the one that we'll use. Uh, there was a little red hen. And the little red hen looked like this and had a white face and, and a, and a yellow nose. And, uh, the little red hen found some, um, some wheat found us a grain of wheat and decided I'm going to, I'm going to make some more wheat. And how do you do that? How do you make more wheat from a grain of wheat? You plant it. That's right. So the little red hen went to her friends and said, who will help me plant the wheat? Not I said the dog. Not I said the cat, not unexpectedly. Not I, said the pig. Okay, well, so the little red hen said, I'll go plant the wheat myself then. So the little red hen, uh, since she's got claws and things like that, was able to go and plant the wheat and cover it back up. And the wheat grew and it was time to harvest it. And she said, who will help me harvest the wheat? Not I, said the dog. 
Not I, said the cat again. Not I, said the pig. And so the little red hen, in spite of the fact that she doesn't have any fingers or hands, said, I'll go harvest the wheat myself. And she did. So after the wheat was harvested, what's the next thing that needed to happen? It needed to be ground. It needed to be taken to the mill. And so she said, who will help me mill the wheat? Not I, said the dog. Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the pig. And the little, and the little red hen said, well, I'll take the wheat to the mill. So she took the wheat to the mill and got it all ground up. And it was flour. And she brought it back home. It was stone ground, by the way. And... Uh, she brought it back home, whole wheat, stone ground flour. And she said, okay, who will help me bake the bread? Not I, said the dog. Not I, said the cat, in spite of the fact that it lived indoors. Not I, said the pig. So she said, well, fine, I'll bake the bread all by myself. And so she did. She baked the bread. Now, the little red hen had a wicked sense of humor. And so after she had baked the bread, she went back to her friends and she said, who will help me eat the bread? I will, said all of the other animals. And she said, no, you won't. (laughs) It was a trick question. You wouldn't help me with anything else, so you're not going to eat any of this bread. This bread is going to be for my chicks and me. And so she baked the bread and... Chickens will eat anything. Okay, what's this got to do with worship and first things first? God comes along and he says, uh, who'll talk to me today? Who who, who would like to have a conversation with me? Who, who Who will tell me what's going on in their life? I mean, I see it, but who'll talk to me about it? Who pray today? And not on that, who would like to hear me talk to them? Who would like to hear what I've got to say today? Yeah. Who will give? Who will be obedient and, and, and give to advance my kingdom and, 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 and tithe and have faith in me and l- let their, their faith grow that way? Who will do that? Yeah. Who, who can I get to serve some people? Who can I get to be my hands and my feet today? Who, who can I get to, uh, to teach preschoolers? Who can I get to work in the nursery? Who can I get? And who'll be faithful? Who'll be faithful in, in coming to, to, together with the saints together and worship, make that a priority in their life? And very often we have a tendency to, at least on some of these things, kind of go, eh, not me, not I. And, and really what the situation is with most, with most of us is we've got a, a couple of them covered. Maybe, you know, uh, we may have, we may have four of them covered. We may have, uh, you know, we may pray, we may read the word, we may serve, we may faithfully attend. We don't have that given thing down yet. You know, and of course, as we know, uh, we're, we're, we're well ahead of the game. We're well ahead of where most people are. And of course, every, every winning coach goes out there and says, guys, I want you to give your, your 80% today. I think that'll do it. 
And so, you know, we get these things, and they are the foundation of wor- worshiping God. And we, and we kind of go, eh, maybe, maybe not. But then it's, well, who would like to, to sing real loudly to a great song with, with a great band and maybe even a light show or something? I will. And God says, well, that's nice, but I don't accept it. These people draw near me with their mouths. But their hearts are far from me because all the stuff that's underneath isn't happening. And and I'm not, you know, look, I love to get down for Jesus. I really do. Uh, A a, a person my age who can jump like I can and, 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 and has the moves I've got. You know, I've been doing this. All right. So I'm not saying don't do it. But I'm just saying something underneath. Last week, review real quickly, worship isn't about where. You need to come here to worship, but if this is the only place you worship, you're not a worshiper. Worship is about spirit. If you're going to worship the invisible God, you've got to see the unseen. Worship is about truth. It's a matter of the heart, soul, mind, and strength, not just words. Jesus told a parable over in Matthew uh, chapter 21, a man had two sons and he went to his first son and he said, uh, go and work in the field today. And the son went, eh, I don't want to, I'm not going to do it. So he went to his second son and said, go and work in the field today. And he said, yes, sir, I'll do it. And then the father went off. But later on, the first son thought better about it and went, eh, you know, I really ought to, my dad asked me to do it. I really ought to go do it. And he went and worked in the field. And and the second son went, oh, I forgot about the game today. Uh, and he didn't go work in the field. And Jesus said, which one of these two obeyed his father? The one who said he would or the one who actually did? So which one's the answer? Okay, that's not bad. Uh, yeah, the one who actually did. Now, here's the question. Can someone truly worship God and not obey him. Now, uh, it's a rhetorical question, yeah, but can someone truly worship God and not obey him? And if we're going to obey him, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? Well, the answer is that question is easy because Jesus told us the answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The first thing is first. The most important thing is the most important thing. So let's look at these, let's look at these four elements real quick. Heart. Whatever has captured your heart has captured you. Whatever's got your heart has got you. Uh, we, one of the reasons why we, one of the things about getting involved in the, in the arts here, um, that I've said on numerous occasions is whoever controls the arts controls the culture. Yeah, we can, we can rail against the culture and we can, rail against the laws that are passed and we can rail against what people do and what people don't do. But the truth of the matter is the artists are the ones who really have the influence. You know, the senators and presidents and everybody and judges can vote on things if they want. Well, they do want to uh, as much as they want to, but it's the, it's the songwriters and the playwrights and the, and the, and the singers and and the poets and the, and the actors and the artists and the dancers they're the ones that that bring about change and and make things happen well same thing your heart 
once it's got once it's got your heart, it's got you. It it leads you around. How do you know what has your heart? Well, where is your treasure? Jesus said, don't store up things for yourselves down here on earth. They'll, they'll just get rotten and, and fall apart. Store up yourselves uh, treasures in heaven where they won't get rotten and fall apart. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That, that's, that tells you where your heart is. What is most important in your life? If living drenched involves a life of worship, and it does, then the first question is, where does God rate in your life? <coughs> Do you talk to him about your life on a, on a regular basis? Or do you only talk to him about your life when things really stink? When, when the wheels are totally coming off? Well, I guess I need to go talk to God. Uh, those of you who have been here very long have heard me say a bunch of times that God does not help those who help themselves. Those who help themselves are busy helping themselves and not asking God for any help. And if he helped those who help themselves, they would think they did it. God helps those who trust in him. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do anything. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, that you shouldn't try. But for those who have God lower down on the list, God is a, is a, a resource of last resort. After I've done everything I can to make this happen, then, you know, to get well, to, to, to pay off the debt, to um, get her to fall in love with me or, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do. After I've done everything I can, if nothing else works, I'll go talk to God about it. When God's first place on your list, it's not that you're not going to do anything. You're, you're going to do greater things than you could possibly do in your own strength. But he's the first person you check in with. He's the first person that you that you not just take your problems to, but, you know, i got a decision to make. God, what do you think? i got, I got something going on in my life. I can do this and this and that, and it all looks good. Which one do you want me to do? Or maybe you want me to do one of them that doesn't look so good, but it is going to be better. Do you listen to him? I mean, if he's first place on the list, do you listen to him? It's been years. I used to hear this question all the time, but it's been years since I've had anyone come to me concerning the question, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I know when God is speaking to me? And as I was saying this in the first service, I, I you know, Pastor Wayne, it, it kind of resonated with him and he couldn't remember the last time. That somebody came to him and asked that. Uh, it, I don't know. Where did that go? Where, where did it go? Why did that go away? I mean, if you can't hear, if you don't know what God sounds like, if you don't know how to hear from God, how in the world can you possibly follow him? If, the, if, if you're going to let me be the voice of God for you, you're in big trouble. If you're going to let any other... Human be the voice of God for you. See, that doesn't teach you to hear the voice of God. That teaches you to hear my voice. Teaches you to hear their voice. Sometimes our voice may be wrong. Well, how do you hear the voice of God? Well, I'm going to tell you whether you want to know or not. Read the Word. 
Read it every day. Every day. That's him talking. You see, we don't just read the Bible to learn the rules. We don't just read the Bible so that we can uh, get information or get wisdom or be able to argue with somebody about something. Read the Bible to learn what the texture and quality and what his voice sounds like, what it what it feels like when he's speaking to you. You know, there are times when I'll... When I'll one of the things that just discourages me probably more than anything else as a pastor is the level of biblical illiteracy in the body of Christ. And in the church I pastor. Come on. Don't you want to hear his voice? His voice is sweet. His voice is powerful. His, his, his voice is truth when it comes into your... It, it, it has such an impact on our lives when we can actually hear it. And, and you get that from reading the Word. There are times when I read the Word. You know, sometimes people don't read the Word because they go, man, that, that book is so hard to understand. There are things in there I don't understand. Well, hello. There are things in there I don't understand. And I've been reading it for a long, long time. But you know what? I know what God's voice feels like. There are days when I read it and I kind of go, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm getting much today. Well, maybe I'm not getting much, but I'm, I'm hearing his voice. When I, when you, when you call somebody on the phone for the first time, you don't know, you don't know it's them until they identify themselves, you know. And the second time, maybe you'll get it. The third time, the fourth time, the 500th time, you'll get it. And, and, you know, and maybe not every conversation that you had with them was something profound. But it's something where you heard their voice. And it began to become real to you. Do you care enough to put in 15 minutes a day? 15, 20 minutes a day will get you through the Bible in a year. If you're a fast reader. If you're not a fast reader, it'll get you through the Bible in two years. Okay, heart. I knew, you know, this is, I knew this was going to be an enjoyable. You should know when, when the worship is really strong, the sermon may be something that you, you just kind of have to go, okay, I, I, I got, at least I got to worship today. Soul, soul. Now this one, this one's easy. This is the easiest one of all four of them. Your soul is the immortal essence of you. Take away the talent, take away the intellect level, whatever that may be, take away the, the, the beauty or lack thereof, take away the genetics, the heritage, the, the passions, the style, the possessions, the preferences, take away all of the temporary things and what you've got left is the soul. It endures beyond the grave. It is eternal. It's the reason heaven and hell exist. It's more important than your health. It's more important than your income. It's more important than your politics or your workout routine or, or, or your favorite team or your favorite preacher even. It's by far the most valuable gift God has given to you. And nothing else even comes close. And if we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice... Because that's our true and proper worship. How much more important is it to worship God 
by giving him our soul and entrusting it in him. And it's in his hands. Nothing can take it out. And so therefore nothing can shake me. Because the eternal part of me is hidden in Christ with God. That's just some information to know. Let's go into the mind. There, there, are, several, there are several directions we could go here. And, and certainly uh, an, an entire series could, could be brought just on thought life. But I'm not going to do that. I may let Barbie do it someday. Uh, but where I do want to go with this. I want to share a verse. There was an elder at our church back at the Lord's Chapel, a guy named Lewis Hart. And Lewis was, uh, Lewis was a good teacher, pretty strong, aggressive guy, good, good teacher. I, I, I love Lewis. He was, he was a piece of work. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite Lewis Hart moments, this has nothing to do with anything, but I, I, just, I just want to share. Uh, the Lord's Chapel burned down twice while we were there. And, and they were meeting, both times they were meeting in a wooden building. And the first time they rebuilt it exactly the way it had been before. And, uh, and before it burned down the second time, I remember we were there one Tuesday night, cause that's when they would have their, their midweek services on Tuesday night. And, uh, the elders would, uh, would go off during the sermon time to pray with people. That was just, that was their protocol. That was the way they did things. And the rest of us would be in, in the, uh, in the, in the sermon. And I remember the Tuesday night that, that Lewis Hart came down and it hadn't been that long since the place had burned down. And, uh, and I, and I remember Lewis coming in the back door during the middle of the sermon and opening it up into the sanctuary and going, uh, don't panic. Don't panic. It's okay. It's just a small fire. Uh, don't, don't be too worried about it. And then he left. Okay. And so anyway, that is Lewis. Like I said, it has nothing to do with anything. Lewis's son didn't follow the Lord. And it was, it was, it was heartbreak for him. It was tough for him. And I remember at one of the elders meetings, him coming in and saying, you know, uh, this is, this has really been a struggle for me. I've been really concerned. And I'm still concerned, but I found this scripture verse. And it's made all the difference in my life when I found it. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. He said, so I've started doing this and it works. It does work. When our thoughts are fixed on him, when our thought life is fixed on him, Makes a huge difference. Now we all entertain unworthy thoughts at times, prideful thoughts, hateful thoughts, lustful thoughts, mean-spirited thoughts, uh, greedy thoughts. That, that's part of the human experience in a fallen world. When I was uh, when I was uh, nine years old, my Sunday school teacher, I remember James Case telling me he was talking about thought life. And he said, and this is, this is real cliched. I'm sure you've heard it before, but it was the first time I'd ever heard it and it made an impact on me. He said, now you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. I thought, wow, that's profound. That's, ain't no bird going to make a nest in my hair. <laughs> of course, he was talking about thoughts and entertaining them. So, let's try this. 
Okay, we're going to fly some birds overhead. Don't think about pink elephants. Got that? Margaret's got her eyes closed. (laughs) But I know what she's thinking about. Okay, don't think about fuzzy little kittens. Now, you see, I can be nice. I mean, I, I have things to say about cats at times, but this one's, this one's praying. <laughs> Don't think about fuzzy little kittens. It's, uh, it's summertime. People have gone on vacation. Don't think at all about the beach. Mmm. Okay. Don't think about ice cream, by all means. All right, I've cheated, right? I'm putting pictures up. Do you think the world doesn't show you pictures all the time of things you shouldn't be thinking about? I mean, it's not... All you got to do is look around. And even if you don't have the pictures... We go about loving God with our minds in the wrong way. We worship, we do worship God with our minds by, by not thinking about the wrong stuff, but you don't really get rid of the wrong stuff by thinking about getting rid of the wrong stuff. That's not how it happens. It just won't work that way. You get rid of the wrong stuff by filling up all that space with the right stuff. Say, well, I do that. Oh, do you? Okay, well, anxiety, worry, strife, fear, all of these are indicative of a mind that doesn't trust in the Lord. Doesn't fully trust. I'm not saying be lazy or indifferent and then call that trust in God, but I'm saying a a mind that truly loves God, that truly worships God. I mean, you think about what or whom you love. That's what you think about. And, and, and if, he's, if he's filling up all the spaces, then there's no room for this. I, I don't wanna, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, okay? Look, it's not a zero-sum game, all right? I know that nobody is going to go throughout their entire life, uh, at least not a, 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 a person who's cognizant and normal at all, without dealing with these things. Okay, they're there, so I'm, I'm not trying to make people feel bad. But I'm, I'm trying to give you some, some um, weapons, I'm trying to give you some, some ammunition. I'm trying to help you out and go, this is how, this is how these things get defeated. They, they're how they, they're, there's a great peace that accompanies true worship. Worship of God with a mind. Jesus said over in John 16, I've said these things to you so that in me, you might have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And he doesn't say in this world you'll have trouble, but try not to think about it. He said, focus on me. The anxiety level in this country would drop 90% within a week if all the televisions went out of whack. And, and the internet. Of course, now for the first 48 hours, everybody'd freak out. But, but after that, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying we don't, you know, when I was growing up, preachers used to come in. I mean, television was, 
was kind of a newfangled sort of thing in those days. And uh, preachers would come in and go, I wouldn't have one of them devil's eyes in my house. And, you know, it, and, uh, and I was going, well, I want a devil's eye. Uh, you know, I was a little kid there. But uh, so I'm not saying don't have it. Well, I'm just saying, you can turn it off, you know, occasionally. There's a switch on that. Well, no, no, don't have switches anymore. There's a button you can press somewhere to do that. And the anxiety level, you'd be surprised. You'd get your life back. Turn off the talk radio. You'd get your life back. Your emotions would suddenly become your own again. Take you a little while to acclimate to it. But they wouldn't be able to jerk your chain all the time. And you could turn your eyes toward Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth would go strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Strength. Let me go here. I almost didn't do this one. In fact... At one point during the week, I, I, I said, I'm not going with the way it's quoted in Mark. I'm going to go with, with, uh, with Matthew because Matthew, it just says heart, soul, and mind. And then during the week, the Lord told me where to go with this one. So I went, went back to Mark again and I said, Lord, I'm not really sure if I ought to do this because I think I'll be, uh, I think I'll be preaching to the choir. And he said, uh, no, you're not preaching to the choir. You're, you're saying what I tell you to say. Okay. Well, do that. Uh, where are we going to go with strength? Well, let me, there are a number of places we could take it, but let me take it here. Uh, over in Psalm 122, verse 1, David says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I grew up in a, uh, in a situation where uh, we went to church on Sunday morning, we went to church on Sunday night, we went to church on Wednesday night, and half a dozen times during the year that we had a revival, we went to church every night. And I, uh, I got tired of it, uh, just to be honest with you, but that was just the way it was. I go, Dad, why do we have to go to church all the time? Well, son, we're supposed to. Okay. Uh, and you know, things have changed. Things have changed that, that, that fit that culture. We're not in a situation now, uh, like people were in the days when families only had one car and they may or may not have a telephone and they didn't have something booked. Six nights out of every week heading into the week. And, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's different. So I'm not saying that you got to go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We don't even have a Sunday night service here as a general rule. But, uh, but here's the deal. Uh, I understand there are reasons for people to not, genuine reasons for people to not come to church. Uh, but I also know that most of the time, the reason why people don't come has nothing to do with a reason. It's just an excuse. And very often that excuse is, I'm just too tired today. It was a late night last night. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. When I when I was in my uh, early thirties, I, I took up golf, started playing golf, 
And, uh, and I, you know, I worked five days a week, only, uh, and then I, Sunday was all taken up with church, and so the only time I had available was Saturday. And uh, my friend Harry Raleigh and I would go out and play on Saturdays. Well, you got a lot of stuff to do on Saturday, so the only time we really had to play was 6.30 in the morning. So every Saturday, 6.30 in the morning, bam, up, we're there, going to tee off on the back nine. Uh, and when it got cold, we bundled up every Saturday, 6.30 in the morning. In fact, it got so cold at some point in time, what we ended up doing was we ended up uh, getting big trash bags and, and cutting, cutting the arms out and kind of wearing them, you know, kind of like a dress thing underneath our underneath our clothes because man that'll hold the heat in like crazy you know and and, and going out there at 6 30 we'll wait for the greens to thaw so we could uh, so we could go out and play golf now that's determination and i was just as determined about going to church because it was more important to me than golf was okay um I said, you know, Lord, if I'm, I'm preaching this, people are already at church. He said, yeah, but some of them are thinking about not coming back next week. <laughs> so many people in our culture today think that coming together to, to worship with brothers and sisters and fellowship is optional. Well, it isn't. It may be, you may not have to do that to be saved, but if you want to live drenched, if you want to, if you want to walk, listen, uh, the, 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 the service that we've had so far today, uh, the, the worship time, you've got to be there. You've got to be there. Uh, now, I understand that there may be people who have to watch it online. Uh, and you can watch it online, but if you watch it online, you're not going to get up and go, ooh, Wayne said it. You know, going to get over here with this person. That's not, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. And you're not feeling what's in this room. You're not feeling what happens when the body of Christ comes together and, and begins to, and begins to entreat his presence and give him glory. It just doesn't happen. Actually, when I would say to my dad, why do we have to go to church all the time? He would always quote me Hebrews 10.25. 10.24 comes first, but he never quoted that one, but I'm going to quote it to you or read it to you. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. How we may encourage one another, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Um, Maury Wall comes to the first service, and Maury's battling cancer, and uh, and he's uh, got some big treatments coming up this week, and he came down to be prayed for in the first service, and there were probably 15 people who came down and surrounded him when that prayer happened. Let us consider how we may encourage one another. Of all those people who came down to pray with Maury, not a one of them were anybody who missed today. All of them had to be here to make that happen.
to be able, and it's not, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a numbers guy. I don't, um, you know, a long time ago, I, I, I quit looking at, ooh, how many empty seats we got, how many full seats we got, and feeling either good or bad about that. That's totally, that's in God's hands. That's the thing. But there's somebody, there's somebody who sees you come, and whether you say anything to anybody or not, there's somebody who sees you come and goes, boy, I'm glad they're here. Man, that did my heart good to see them. You, and if you're not here, there's somebody who notices and goes, oh, and not just me, it may, it's somebody sitting next to you or close to you. Encourage one another and all the more as you see the day of coming. And I know you can encourage people on Facebook, but you don't. <laughs> just saying. In fact, of all the stuff that's on that's on Facebook, probably you know, uh, discounting the informational stuff, which I think is the most important stuff. I want to know what you ate for supper last night. <laughs> well, yeah, last night I did. <laughs> See, that, that's news you can use. But when people are, are, are kind of, let me tell you what I think, probably, you know, maybe 30, and I'm probably being generous here, maybe 30 or 40% of it's encouraging. The rest of it's hateful. Just downright, let's spread some gloom in the world. Throw some more darkness out there. Oh, how good and pleasant it is when brothers come and dwell together in unity. It's like the precious anointing oil flowing down over Aaron's head and beard and down upon the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon resting upon Mount Zion. There the Lord has commanded his blessing to reside. Life forevermore. Eternal life. Okay. Very quickly, there is a second commandment, and it's like the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. How is it like the first one? And I know Mark doesn't use that that term, but Matthew does. It's like it. They're both about love. They're both about God. They're both about God. Because Jesus said that on the last day, the king will reply to those who did and to those who didn't. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters, you, you were doing it for me. So every act of service... Every act of love, every opportunity to give, expecting nothing in return, is worship of the Most High God. And that's something to sing about. That's something to dance about. As Jesus was talking to this young man, and the young man went, Amen, that's right, what you've just said is true. Jesus said, well... You're not very far from the kingdom of God. You're near the kingdom. Heart, soul, mind, strength, keeping it real. That's what that is. Those are the foundations for worship. Would you stand with me?
would those who are going to pray with people, if you'll come forward. And if you're here and you need prayer, don't make him your last resort. Make him your first. If, if, you, if, if, we, if you're at the last resort part, let's, let's bring it. Come on. But, you know, you're, if, you're, if you're just kind of sitting there going, well, you know, I really got this. I really got this need. I really got this thing that needs to work out. But uh, I'm not desperate enough yet. Well, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. Bring it to him. His grace will find you. If you don't uh, need to come for prayer, uh, worship with us. Encourage someone else by creating an atmosphere which the Holy Spirit can speak to them and do His wonderful work.
Okay. I love you guys. You, uh, you're very gracious to me. And I appreciate it. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world and who perfectly pursued the Father with His heart, soul, mind, and strength. May the same Spirit that empowered Jesus empower you, inspire you, live through you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.